Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Our scripture reading for today is from Luke 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed her. The word of God for the people of God. All right. Um, well, I'm so glad to be back with you all. Uh, those of you um, who are new with us or haven't been here in a while, I, um, I, I'm, I've I, all in the span of one month. I've had COVID. I've had the flu. Um, so I am super immune. Um, <laughs> and um, I also went to Belgium in between those two um, things. So um, I am really, really happy to be here this fourth Sunday of Advent. Um, So let me remind you where we have been this series that we have called Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. If you remember, we started at the end of Jesus's life. We started at the end of Jesus's life and rewind a bit. And at week two, we watched Jesus at work, uh, specifically at his first miracle, turning water into wine at a wedding. Last Sunday, we met teenage Jesus. 
Uh, and in, he and his family were on this pilgrimage to Jerusalem when he was 12 years old and all the mischief that he gets into. And today we rewind through those 12 years to the very, very beginning. Today, Mary discovers that she will have a child. And until Gabriel's visit, Mary's life was probably quite ordinary. She had recently become engaged to a carpenter, Joseph. She had recently um, uh, been anticipating you know, what the married life would be like and getting ready for that. But in, in, in our moment in scripture today, all of this changes. All of it does. Did you hear it? So the great um, 16th century reformer Martin Luther uh, said that there are actually three miracles that occurred at the birth of Jesus. Three. One, that God became human. Miracle. Two, that a virgin conceived. And three, that Mary believed. For Luther, he said that the greatest miracle of all three of them was that Mary believed. And if there is one thing that any of us can take away from this very well-known passage and story is that when this 13-year-old virgin received this bizarre message, Mary believed. But from Mary's point of view, especially as as we now look back at all that we see Mary show up throughout the life um, of Jesus, from Mary's point of view, she isn't discovering, just discovering that she's pregnant. She is hearing this call. Mary is being visibly, visually, audibly, physically called by God. And Mary's call as mother would become her ministry to be nothing less than the most central influence for the Messiah of the world. And so let's take a a close look at this story today. First, the angel comes to her and says, Mary, you have found favor with God. Some of you like to joke me. You like to joke me sometimes when about like when I call you and ask you to do something for the church. I think you have a knack for something. You're really good at decorating the altar. Um, Or you are really, really good at, um, at, at, you know, taking on projects that like building, building a manger like this. And so I call you and I say, Matt, have have I got an opportunity for you? I call you and I say, like, Gina, I got an opportunity for you. (laughs) In other words, greetings, favored one. (laughs) Now you know, like, I learned it from the master, right? Matt, you have found favor with God. I have an opportunity for you. (laughs) And when we're in need of, uh, of volunteers, like we are for Christmas this week, right? And it seems no one is signing up and there's this special project for the church that needs to be accomplished, like, like recently, we, we're moving the church's closet out of, um, of one house and moving it into a new place. Um, and, and so I know of somebody who loves to organize and label bins. And I say, greetings, favored one. 
And I hear everyone is so busy and we have such a shortage of volunteers and no one feels like they can take it on. And so eventually I just, I just pull someone aside and I say, greetings, favored one. God needs a greeter. And I'm, I'm sensing that greeter is you. God needs a common table leader. And I'm sensing that common table leader is you. And, and the common response is, but me? I, like, I, I can't lead a discussion. My house is way too, too small to host something. And then I say something like, well, there's no reason you can't guide and host a group. You, you attend church regularly. You listen to the sermons. You love people. You love gathering people. I know. I've watched your Facebook page. Um, you're also a really good listener, I know, and you care, and you're well-read, and you're one of the smartest people I know, and you've got a You've got a couch and you've got a dining room table and plenty of other people who can host too to take the load. Why can't you be a common table leader? And then I, and then I give that look. Greetings, favored one. I mean, look. Look at Mary. She's this peasant girl from a working-class neighborhood of carpenters. She lives in Nazareth, which is a village so insignificant that it's not even mentioned in the Old Testament anywhere or the writings of historian Josephus or even in the, the Jewish Talmud. It's not mentioned anywhere. When we look at Mary's encounter, her calling, we see it, it took place in an unknown town in a very ordinary house, and she gets convinced, not by some pushy preacher woman, but from one of the four chief angels in all of scripture, Gabriel. This, this little girl maiden, equivalent in age to like a, a seventh grader, but with little to no education, she has so much to teach us here today. When I, when I talk to folks who are, are discerning how they might want to, to be a part of the ministry of the church and take the risk and use their gifts, I usually have to, to gently help them get past themselves first. You know, it's, it's not about whether you feel like you're ready or available or not. It's not about what, what, what you get out of it though I promise you will get much out of it. Instead, it's about being a part of something, having a part in something that is so much greater than you and me, than, than our little lives and mostly fairly little and last-minute plans. God needs you. God needs me to be a part of God's plans and work in the world. Greetings, favored one. And so when you lead or host a common table or you lead children in our children's ministry or you offer your unique set of warmth and welcome and hospitality at a Christmas service or help set up chairs, which can become a prayer act for each person who might encounter the love of God in that chair that day or offer your gifts to decorate an altar or the barn that will gather 300 plus people in the light and love of Christ this Friday night. When you do any or all of that, it's not that you're, you're spending an hour setting up or giving out bulletins or hanging lights. It's so much bigger than that. Did you know the majority of our adult members are brand new to the faith? 
or just now returning to faith from the vague recollections of some other version they had in their childhood. It's a big deal that they've chosen to come and, and see if church is what they're aching for in their hectic and chaotic and distracted lives and the hospitality and the beauty and the community that you're providing through your offering of your gifts in a space like this or a space like the barn and, and your gifts and your time in the church, it can be like their lifeline for staying afloat just six days more through the week or a bridge to the love of God that will satisfy them long-term if they dare continue to engage and connect because there was something in that space that felt more fulfilling and meaning-making for the soul than anything else they've tried to fill that void with. It's not about you. It's so much bigger than you. Any quest for personal fulfillment and satisfaction and meaning can only be found in understanding and doing what God has placed you to do on this earth. And so the literal fruit of Mary's labor is her son will be great. He will be called son of the most high. In other words, you will be a part of something, Mary, bigger than yourself. This is not going to be any ordinary pregnancy or any ordinary baby. This baby is to be the son of God. Now that's a ministry. And Mary's calling, Mary's mothering would lead to development of a child who would grow up to be the one taking over the throne of David, the one challenging the powers to be, the one who would confront the values and standards of this day, the one who would bring forth the kingdom of God. And Mary's angelic visitation doesn't look or sound like a sentimental Hallmark greeting card or a Thomas Kincaid painting. It is this challenge of a lifetime. She, Mary, had every right to be afraid, though he tells her not to be, right? But, but what a ministry. What an opportunity. And so it's this, this ministry of a lifetime or of, an, or of an eternity, really. But Mary rightly asks the next question. So it's all of our question. Like, how can this be? And Gabriel has an answer for her. Ah, see, Mary, this is the thing. It's not you doing it. Gabriel says the power of the Most High will overshadow you. God's power, God's glory is going to overshadow anything you do, Mary. God's power is going to take center stage here. This word overshadow, it like literally means to brood over you. A more like vivid translation of the Hebrew word uh, for what the spirit is always doing. Here happens when, this happens when, when God broods over dark and chaotic waters at creation. The same word. You see the Holy Spirit is this like generative force, a means that broods, that gives birth to something out of nothing. In fact, it's the very nature of the Holy Spirit to give birth. And so Gabriel says the Holy Spirit will come over you and in this way Mary's pregnancy and Jesus' birth are almost like this replay of Genesis 1, the brooding and the creative force and the birthing out of which the Holy Spirit brings something out of nothing, creation out of chaos, making all things new. And Mary's place in God's scheme for salvation is not just 
a beautiful story. It's, it's inspiration for any time we feel we've reached a dead end and we feel like there's no future to be found. The Holy Spirit brooding, birthing, bringing newness once again. And Mary believes it. Mary is convinced. She says, here I am, the servant of God. May it be with me as you've said. In faith language, this, we would call this response like submission. There is no long debate here. No request for Gabriel to come back in 30 days after she has had time to pray about it or think it through. No half-hearted response. Instead, Mary believed everything the angel told her. And because Mary believed, you and I have the gift of salvation in In an obscure village over 2,000 years ago, an angel spoke and a young woman believed and the world was changed forever. What if Mary had said no? No way. Sounds like you have it all worked out, but you, nope, you're not gonna, you're not gonna buy, get me with that. I got an opportunity for you thing, right? Um, nope, you got the wrong, you got the wrong gal here. You can, you can take your immaculate conception and you can give it to someone else. What if she had said no? In other words, my question is, was Mary's submission necessary? Was it necessary? As your pastor, I've heard so many of your stories, received many prayer requests from you about people you're praying for who need to make a change, and you know it. They need to take a new turn. They need to make an important decision. Maybe that's like a rebellious child or a spouse, maybe struggling with addiction, or someone where there's been a a rift in a relationship, someone who is isolating themselves from every support system in their life. And I've heard your stories and I've received your prayers for that seemingly hopeless relationship, how you keep praying for them to change or for them to return to God or to the church or to you even. And I know this sentiment. I've been in that place before. I'm actually in this place right now with our family. I've I've prayed and I've prayed for someone else to do something they clearly have no desire to do. And it's heartbreaking. I've been that person asking the questions, why won't God answer my prayer? Or "Why, why won't God make them change? But this I've learned that God does not make us do anything. God does not make us do things, especially in the ways of love. God invites us. God wants us to love God and love one another, but on our own accord. And so so I ask you, what if Mary had this child begrudgingly? What, What if he was birthed but not cared for after? 
What if he did not receive the home life and the spiritual influence that only she and Joseph could give him? Was Mary's submission necessary? Yes. God wants a willing vessel. God will not force God's self upon you. Mary's response was her worship. Mary's submission sealed this miracle. Mary's willing participation brought about the blessing. And so here today, in this week, we come to worship, but let us be aware, for, for we better be ready, for the angel still comes to us, too. In so many ways, God still speaks to us as he spoke to Mary. God still wants you and I to participate in Jesus' ministry and, and redemption. God's Holy Spirit is brooding in our midst. Worship is just the start, but submission is always the goal. And God wants your yes this Christmas. Will you join with Mary, proclaiming in your life, may it be with me? Would you pray with me? So much of how we assert ourselves in all of the rest of the places we live, work, and play, God, is about... Um, asserting our power. And then we come before you and worship, God, and it is about acknowledging yours and leaving ourselves in a place of submission before you, God. To everything we do not understand about this miracle, to every opportunity you give us, to every way you are in the process of guiding us and teaching us through even the most difficult times in our lives. We submit to your power, God. Let it be with me, God. Let it be with us. According to your will and way, and we say this not saying it blindly, we say it knowing that, God, you are always working good for those you love, and you just so happen to love us all. And so if you are working good, God, let it be according to me. Let it be. God, we pray for every person in this room or who we know and we pray for and lift up who has felt like they've hit a dead end, like there's no future, or who has isolated themselves from those who, who love them or have continued to, to be their worst enemy and just have just given over to the, their, their own devices. Uh, God, we pray that they would since that doing it alone is never going to work. Doing it out of their own power is never going to work. And that they would sense the, 
incredible love that you have for them, that they will know mostly in community with others as they continue to confess their sins, as they continue to make relationships right, as they continue to be in, in friendship. We pray that prayer, God, that is really just a, a prayer of, of submission and acknowledging who is in power this Christmas week. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Amen.